Today's episode's got a pretty big what sold segment, reselling news, and a business recap where we'll take a look at my inventory levels. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the Batcave, and this channel is all about the flip life. Today, I know you can hardly control your excitement. We're going to talk about inventory levels. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that comes up as you're watching YouTubers or listening to podcasts is kind of inventory turnover, sell-through rate, and those sorts of things. And I wanted to take just a few minutes to talk about mine and how I look at my inventory turn compared to maybe how some others do it. So I know you can't wait for that, but we're going to kick it off with the fun part, the... What sold on not just eBay this week. If you've been following along the last couple of weeks, you know I started a project using List Perfectly to copy my listings from eBay over to Mercari. That project continues. I have done, I, I look at my eBay listings 200 items at a time on eBay and I have 33 pages of listings to do, and I'm through less (laughs) than seven pages. So I've still got a long way to go on that project. Uh, As I talked about last week, I started with the most expensive stuff and I'm working my way down to the lesser expensive items, trying to get the most bang for my buck in terms of what I listed. And we're starting to get a little bit more traction on that. This first item that sold this week is actually part of that process from Mercari, uh, Skank down under Australia's and New Zealand's ska bands. I've had this CD listed on eBay for the better part of the last eight or nine months with no activity really on it. Transferred it to Mercari and within a couple of days sold it for $20 with free shipping. Uh, This was out of the big lot of 8,000 plus CDs that I talk about every week. So I own it for less than four cents. This next item was featured in the haul video that I put up last week, the Bible study, uh, a one-year study of the Bible and how it relates to you, part two. I picked this up for $1 at a Goodwill store, and it sold for $20 with free shipping. I had it listed for $24.99 and got a best offer of $20, which I went ahead and took. That profit on this ended up being about $15, $16 after shipping, so not a bad sale. Back to Mercari. This was an interesting one. If you follow me on Instagram, shameless plug at Galaxy CDs Rocks, I put up a post on Monday night about this one because I was scrolling through YouTube on my phone and they always have the about halfway down the page, there's a section of suggested for you ads. And there was an ad for Mercari. And this item of mine actually showed up in the ad to me makes no sense why you would advertise that to me. The algorithm apparently needs a little work, but it was cool to see uh, the October 1954 3rd Armored Division yearbook. I picked this up at an estate sale with some other military-type items. I got this thing for about a dollar, sold it for $21 with free shipping. This is another item that was transferred just last week from eBay to Mercari, and we got a sale on it. So, nice flip, and 
fun to see that on the on the YouTube ad. Next item again on Mercari, uh, a lot of nine old science fiction paperbacks. You may recall I've talked about this previously a couple of years ago now, not quite a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, we'll call it. I bought a a room full of vintage science fiction paperbacks. I paid about 75 cents a piece for them. I have, in some cases, made $60 and $70 each on some of the more unusual books. The rest of them I lotted up in fours, six, nines, twelves, depending on what they were worth individually. This was a lot of nine that sold for $24 with free shipping. I have long since made way more than my initial investment back from that sale. So these sales are essentially pure profit. Uh, So pretty nice flip, nine bucks for $24. And again, just nice to see activity starting to ramp up a little bit on Mercari. Another Mercari sale, this item, a true fan Cleveland Indians jersey. I've had this listed on eBay for months at $24.99 with no activity. Transferred it to Mercari and within three days sold it for $24 with free shipping. This went out in a padded flat rate envelope for about eight bucks. So I own this thing for, I believe, $2. So all in all, a pretty good sale. Finally, back to eBay. This item also appeared in the haul video that I did last week. Uh, U2 Dragon Lady Lockheed Martin BAE Systems Gold Rimmed Coffee Mug. Man, that's a mouthful. This is one of the things that I talked about last week that I'm having a little bit of a problem with on Mercari. This is a big title. To get everything in there that you would want to be able to be found in a search, 80 characters on eBay is much more helpful than the 40 characters that Mercari allows. So I don't know if they have any plans to increase that at some point, but it makes a big difference. In this case, uh, this is a mug that I picked up, you may recall from that video, for 99 cents. Uh, I said at the time I thought it was probably worth 20 to 25 bucks. I decided to list this for $19.99 plus customer paid shipping rather than $24.99 with free shipping because it was going to be over a pound. It went for a full price offer, $19.99 plus priority shipping. So nice sale from $0.99. Cents. Uh, essentially paid for the rest of the mugs and most of the rest of the stuff I bought that day. Another item from that haul video from the thrift store that had just opened a couple of days previously, the Marines Bible bonded leather came in its original box. I think it was probably new, but the Bible itself in the box was not in a wrap of any kind in a plastic wrap. So I sold this as used like new, new in a box. It's probably worth twice this, uh, but I didn't really want to get too crazy with the price because it was in like new condition, but not new. I listed it for $24.99 with free shipping. Got a full price offer. I own it for $3, as you'll recall from that video. If you caught that, if not, go check it out. Uh, So pretty nice sale. A CD. Uh, Under a Violent Moon, Blackmore's Night. Uh, This is an old 1999 era CD, new in the package. Uh, Came in a cardboard slipcase. This I had listed for $27.99 or best offer. Received an offer of $25 with free shipping. It's another one from the big lot. So my cost of goods sold is under $0.04. This was a really interesting item. And I thought when I bought it, I was going to do really, really well with it. And it turned out I did okay, but not great. 
uh, a portable shelving luggage insert from Rise. Uh, I bought this thing. It was new with tags at a garage sale last summer. I paid $5 for it, listed it for $32.99 plus shipping and nothing. (laughs) Uh, No watchers, nobody looking at it, very little activity. was really surprised. So this is an item that got caught up in my monthly discount sale where I go back and anything that's over a certain number of days old, I put on sale. This got a 15% discount. So it sold for $28.04 plus customer paid shipping. So still not a bad sale from an original $5 investment, but not quite what I thought it was going to be and took way, way longer than I anticipated. Another CD, Under the Earth Tones, Ambient Didgeridoo. Uh, really unusual piece, new in the wrap, listed it for $34.99 plus shipping. I think at the time I listed this, I had the only one on eBay. So I went, I didn't go crazy and ask $100 for it, but I did go kind of high on it at $34.99 plus shipping. And it took a little while, but it finally brought a full price offer. A book, uh, Harlan Hubbard and the River, A Visionary Life. This came out in 1989. It's just a trade paperback, but it was fairly unusual. There were not a lot of these out there. I picked this up at a garage sale last fall for a dollar. I had it listed for, I believe, $44.99 with free shipping. Uh, Sent out an offer last week in the send offers eligible for 15% off, and somebody grabbed it for $42.49. So pretty nice sale there. Another book, another one that I've talked about several times in the past, Jane's Fighting Ships. This one from 1982 and 1983 big oversized hardcover book. Uh, This went out in a 14 by 10 by four box and it was all I could do to get it in there. Uh, Own this as part of a big lot that I bought for a quarter a piece. So my cost of goods sold is 25 cents, sold for $44.99 with free shipping. Shipping was about, I want to say it was mid $6, even media rate because of the the weight of this book, Uh, but a real nice sale. I I had this one on Instagram too, and I know people are tired of these magazines. (laughs) Uh, But I think these next couple of items actually are Model Railroad magazines. For some reason, doing really, really well again. I've had a big ramp up of people buying multiple sets of these. This first set is Rail Model Journal. Customer bought four different years, uh, 91, 93, 94, and 2001. For a total of $93.60 plus shipping, I own each of these years for about $0.96 a piece. So real nice sale, essentially 10x, not 10x, 100x (laughs) Uh, my money on these deals. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when I get into kind of my my inventory valuation and why I'm comfortable with this many listings. Uh, But a real nice sale. This next one is the flip of the week. I'm pretty sure I put this one on Instagram as well. Another huge lot of model railroad magazines. This is O Gage Railroading Magazine. I had someone that watched seven different years of this. They showed up in my send offers eligible listings. I went ahead and sent offers for 15% off my current price on these. And the customer reached out and said, would I do a deal with combined shipping? I said, absolutely, I would do that. He bought all seven years plus paid shipping. The total sale with shipping 
was $124 and some change on, again, magazines that this particular magazine, a year's worth is only six to seven issues. So I own these for about 50 cents a year. So really, really nice sale, huge margins, just fantastic. Really, really happy with this. Um, $102 plus the shipping ended up being about a $90 net profit after all the expenses. So really, really nice way to close out the week and transition into... The weekly business recap. So last week, uh, I, I lost another day. I had a drive to Detroit to pick up a car for the Volkswagen store. So I was a little little light last week. I lost a day uh, doing that. But I still managed to get 85 listings up on eBay. So a pretty significant improvement from the week previous, which I think was 57. That gave me a total of 6,422 listings on eBay, which was only a net gain of two by the end of the week. So over the course of the week, I had 83 listings that sold on various platforms, which we'll get into here in a minute, but um, just barely stayed ahead of the sales pace, which kind of my goal is to continue to add inventory. I want to grow my listing base. My goal for the end of the year is to be at around 7,500 listings. And the question comes up, from time to time about how, why that many listings and don't you have a lot of quote unquote dead inventory. And I've talked about on this show previously that I'm, I'm kind of the king of the long tail stuff. I don't mind if stuff sits here for a while before I sell it. I do discount older items trying to generate a little activity, but I don't mind long tail inventory. And the reason for that is because of the cost that I have in most of this stuff. When you're listening to podcasts or watching YouTubers, a lot of people talk about their sell-through rate. They've got a thousand listings and their 90-day sales total is they're selling 500 of them. And that's a fairly good metric to look at how your business is doing. How many listings are you selling versus how many listings do you have? But that is only one way to evaluate that. And if you looked at mine, you might say my sell-through rate really isn't all that great. If you look at my 90-day number, my current listings is right around 6,400. And my sales over the last 90 days is a little over 1,100 items, which is still a fairly significant number of items, but it certainly doesn't compare with someone who sold 500 out of 1,000. But I'm okay with that because I look at my inventory and my sales and my sell-through rate based on how much money I have invested in all that stuff. So just to give you an idea, my current inventory, my cost for the 6,400 items I currently have listed on the various platforms plus inventory that's still in the garage that I have not listed. So I've still got thousands of CDs out there that fall below my kind of eight to $10 listing threshold that I've yet to sort out what I want to do with. I've probably got a couple of hundred books that likewise fail to re reach that criteria. So I've got a lot of inventory that's not even listed yet. And the cost, my cost for all of that stuff on my books is $2,750 and 77 cents. 
just what I have listed on eBay alone at retail at the moment is a little over $102,000. And I've got not quite a third of my inventory on, actually, it's probably more like a quarter of my inventory on sale, anywhere from 15 to 35% off. So if that came off, it'd probably be closer to one hundred five dollars or $107,000 at retail versus $2,700 at cost. So I look at my sales each month. The last several months, gross sales have been at or above $7,000. Net profit after everything has been taken out but taxes has been well over $3,000 in each of those months. In some months, closer to $4,000. And I've only got $2,700 worth of inventory. So in essence, I'm turning my inventory based on cost and net profit one to one and a half times a month as opposed to maybe twice a year. So I'm more than happy to have a lot of long tail inventory that and it happens virtually every day. I sell something like we just talked about that I've had listed for a long, long time that I end up making pretty decent money on or that the lot that I purchased because I bought it so cheap has long since been in the black and I've my money's made. These things are pure profit at that point. So again, one of the things I've talked about previously on this channel is to not get caught up in the comparison game and to look at someone else's results and try to compare them to yours. Everybody's business is a little bit different. And when I look at my item sell-through rate, it really doesn't compare that well with some of the others. But if I, if I look at my dollars... Um, I can't really compare that with a lot of others because they're not showing that number. And again, that's one of the reasons I'm so transparent on this channel and I share with you my costs, my gross profits, my net profits, if I'm losing money, all of that stuff so that you have a, a sense of where my business actually stands. So when you're thinking about how you want to evaluate your business, you have a few more tools in the toolbox, as it were. So again, if I can have less than $3,000 worth of inventory and make six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 a month in sales and more net profit than I've got tied up in my inventory. My cash flow obviously is such that I can go out and buy more inventory pretty much anytime I want and continue to grow my store. So that's kind of my business philosophy. That's how I evaluate my inventory. Let me know how you evaluate yours. What are the things that you look for? When you're evaluating your sell-through rate, do you look at the money or are you looking at just the number of units versus the number of listings? Let me know in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, you can send me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com. Uh, continuing on with listings, over to my Mercari project with List Perfectly. Last week, I did 399 items to Mercari. That includes the 85 new listings to eBay plus 314 listings that were existing eBay listings that were transferred with List Perfectly over to Mercari. And that did result, like I said, in some additional business. Last week's sales, 14.66 and 25 cents. So a little bit off from the week before, but still not bad. It broke down thusly. The Westchester Antique Center continues to be 
pretty, pretty slow, $13.92. So not much going on over there last week. Bonanza for $62.72. Mercari at $158. Kind of my goal there as I've thought about this, if once I've got everything moved, which obviously is going to take me quite some time, (laughs) uh, I would like for Mercari to do maybe 20% of the number that eBay is doing. So if I'm doing $1,300 on eBay in a given week, if I could get Mercari to $250 or $260, that's an extra $10, $12,000 a year in gross sales, which would be really, really helpful to my bottom line. So that's kind of the thought process behind this. I have no illusions that Mercari is going to rival eBay. In terms of sales, they just don't have the user base. They don't have the eyeballs. The clientele seems to be a little bit different, so I'm not looking to match, but if I could do 20 or 25% of what I do on eBay on Mercari, man, I would that would be exciting for me. So stay tuned for that. We'll keep you updated as that, as that progresses. Uh, for the week, cost of goods sold, $48.27, which left me with a gross profit margin of 96.71% or $1,417 and 98 cents. Operating expenses for the week totaled 5.53 and 75 cents, uh $336.42 in shipping, $200.05 in eBay, Mercari and Bonanza fees and uh $17 in just miscellaneous expenses. So not too terrible. Net profit for the week 58.94% or 8.64 and 23 cents. So all in all, a pretty solid week in terms of both listing activity, cross-listing, and sales. I'm pretty pleased with how the week went. Let us know in the comments below how your week went last week. With that, we're going to take a really quick break. Uh, For those listening on the podcast, we're going to sneak in an ad here, and we'll be right back with Reselling News. Stay tuned. We all know that one of the quickest ways to increase sales is to get your items seen on more platforms. But if you're like me and you have hundreds or even thousands of existing listings, the thought of transferring all of that information manually is pretty overwhelming. That's where a program like List Perfectly can come in really, really handy. I've been using it to transfer literally hundreds of items a day from my eBay listings over to Mercari, and it has been fantastic. I've seen an increase in sales, and I couldn't have done it without them. In fact, I'm so happy with how the program is working for me that I've become an affiliate for them. If you'd like to check out what it's all about, there's an affiliate link in the show notes and the description below. Be sure to click on it, and if you decide to sign up, enter promo code 634 to save 30% off your first month. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's list perfectly. Thank you so much. For listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. news updates all right let's get into this news not not a huge amount of news this week but uh, a few things going on thread up 
Uh, We talked about several weeks ago that they were going to have their IPO. That went live last week. And as happened with Poshmark, it made a big jump when it debuted. The offering was originally at $14 a share. Uh, Shares rose 43% during the first day to close at about $20. So not nearly the value that Poshmark obviously generated, but it did create uh, $168 million for ThreadUp. So good for them. Congratulations on uh, successfully going public. It'll be interesting to see going forward what the trend is. We talked about last week how the Poshmark stock has cratered, I think it was 54% since the end of its first day as an IPO. So we'll keep an eye on ThreadUp to see how they do. Obviously, again, the numbers are not nearly as big as what Poshmark did, but still a pretty pretty good look for them. If you sell on ThreadUp, let us know what your experience is there. I, I see from time to time people not necessarily all that knocked out by what kind of business they get on ThreadUp. But if you're a seller there, let us know how you're doing. Really interesting article on blogher.com. Uh, um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's a an article on Bexa Boss Lady is the blog every slide hustler should read. Uh, it's about a, a reseller named Rebecca Black. She's done everything from apparently being a cake decorator to a social media consultant, a fitness instructor, and more. She now has... Um, She's, she's the self-proclaimed queen of side hustles, but she has some pretty good advice and some things we've actually talked about on this show previously. Uh, one of the things she talks about is the myth of the 24-7 hustle mentality. This is something that you know I've talked about previously, uh, this kind of belief that you got to work nonstop towards your goals or you aren't going to get there. People that talk about that, they're almost, and she says the same thing, they're almost always trying to sell you an ebook or a course or something about the the way that they hustle and more power to them. And, you know, if that's if that's your game and that's what you're doing to reach your vision of success, I have no fault with that, but it's not it doesn't work for everybody. Everybody's in a little bit different place, as I've talked about previously in my case. You know, I'm 55 years old, my career aspirations and my financial goals are much different than if I was 25 or 35 years old. For me, making this change was more about freeing up some time and some flexibility to be able to do other things that I want to do. So I'm not trying to hustle 24-7. And sometimes you get caught up in that trap. And I've talked about that here before where I've, I've told you that I'm taking some time away to get my batteries recharged. And I do the same thing with my reselling business. There are days where I just don't do any listings because I just don't feel like it. And maybe the next day I'll double down and I'll work for eight or nine hours on it. But for me, it was more about flexibility, not necessarily the money and the 24 seven grind. So let me know in the comments what your take is on that. Uh, She always talks, she also talks about that when she looks at some of those folks that are talking about that grind and that hustle and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing the third that she finds. And I found this to be true also that a lot of those folks have help. They have employees, they have family members helping them out. They have virtual assistants or whatever the case may be. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it goes back to what I talked about earlier 
in this episode. The full disclosure, if, if you're using a VA to help you do this hustle, you should be talking about that when you're talking about the hustle because you're not doing all of that on your own. And some of the internet gurus, if you will, are not as transparent as others. And we'll leave it with that. <laughs> uh, and like I said, there are people who that is legitimately their hustle and they're, they're doing it all. They're recording five YouTube videos a week and doing a podcast or two and they're all over Instagram and they're reselling and they're thrifting and they're, you know, and there are some folks that are out there doing it, but a lot of the ones that are out there showing that kind of stuff have quite a bit of help on the back end that they're not sharing. Uh, she goes on to say, honestly, I believe finding balance is harder than working 24 seven balance is what will truly get you to your goals. The 24 seven hustle might get you there faster, but it's also much easier to burn out. She says, uh, she gives some advice to people starting a side hustle. And the first one is don't burn yourself out, especially if you're working a full-time job, creating a side hustle, learn your boundaries and focus on yourself. Never underestimate the power of self-care. It saddens me, she says, every time I see someone posting how they work 12 to 14 hour workdays, seven days a week, that may be necessary once in a while, but for the long haul, it's not healthy for yourself or your relationships. She also adds, know when to start over. In the past 15 years, she started multiple different side hustles and she can't even remember them all. So as always, I will link to all these articles in the show notes and the description below, but I really recommend that you go and check this out. I think she's got some really great advice in this article. Again, it's on blogher.com. Moving on, we talked, man, probably back in December about whether reselling was ethical. And I highlighted a couple articles at that time. There's another one out this week in uh, the Manchester Media Group, are Depop secondhand resellers really a new kind of evil? Uh, during lockdown, many of us have found sanctuary and online retailers relying on them to bring a sense of thrill back into our lives through one-click purchases with an increasing amount of people now being more ethically and environmentally conscious. Many of us have flocked to Depop to satisfy our longing for that buzz in a sustainable, guilt-free way. As a result of this, Depop, of course, has boasted of their tremendous growth in sales with demand doubling since lockdown in March of 2020. And obviously, they're doing great. Their sellers are doing great. The app reached over 2 million active users. Uh, but it has brought a little bit of a backlash and has things like the PS3 debacle and so on about resellers being unethical, or as the headline of this article posits, evil. This writer does not believe that to be the case, however. And they go on to cite uh, a couple of instances. Re quote, resellers buying stock from charity shops is unfair as they are taking up the quote-unquote good clothes for people who need them the most. I've said repeatedly that I disagree with that premise. The writer goes on to say, people who make this claim are often coming from a good heart, acknowledging that shopping secondhand is a necessity for some people and resellers buying all the good stock takes away the chance for less privileged people to access cheap, durable clothing. 
However, we cannot deny that approximately 10 to 30% of donated items are sold by charity shops each year. The rest goes to landfills or gets shipped to developing countries. Uh, the writer worked at an Oxfam shop, and the number of resellable donations we received was far more than what we were selling locally. There was an abundance of clothing, meaning there was more than enough to go around. It's unlikely there will ever be a scarcity of good clothing in charity stores. Resellers buying more clothing with the intention to resell online should not be perceived as a negative thing. We talked about that in the previous episode. I don't have any problem with it, and you go into any thrift store virtually anywhere in the world, you will find way more clothing than any one person <laughs> would ever be able to buy to resell. So the notion that we're, as resellers, we're somehow taking all the good stock away from other people in need, to me, is a, a complete myth. Um, the writer goes on to note, Charity shops claim that their main purpose is to raise money for their parent charities. Unfortunately, providing cheap clothing for those in financial difficulty may not, in fact, be their number one priority. Higher pricing seems inevitable regardless of whether the demand is high or low, and we can't ignore the fact that charity shops wish to get as much money as they can from their donations. This is in response to the idea that resellers taking all of the the good items out of the resale stores, out of the thrift stores, will cause the thrift stores to raise their prices. They're going to raise their prices based on their own financial need. Uh, she points out each of those stores has financial goals. They have to hit certain targets of sales and profitability, just like any other business. And that may cause them to raise their price irrespective of what we might be doing as resellers. Resellers abuse thrifting as reselling items at a higher price is scamming people. And again, this is something we've talked about. It's important to think about the time, effort, and research Depop sellers, and of course this applies to all resellers, often put th themselves through to find those in-demand gems. Thrifting requires a lot of endurance, and resale items should be marked up to reflect the time, labor, and investments that the seller puts in when listing those items. Reselling clothing is not a scam. It's a legitimate way to make money by making clothes more accessible to customers, opening up garments to wider audiences that otherwise would have been restricted to only those in that local area. And again, that's something we've talked about on this show previously. I view my role as a reseller as being able to connect a buyer with an item that they may not have the time, interest, or desire, or ability to find in their local area. That's what these online platforms are for. That's what we as resellers do. We are providing a service, and the difference between the cost of that item and what someone halfway around the world is willing to pay for it is how we make our living. It's the value that we provide by researching, finding, listing, and making available that item. And that is, it's just capitalism, folks. That's not, it's not evil. It's not a scam. It's not any of that. It's just, it's just good, smart business. It's what Amazon does. It's what Walmart does, uh, just in a different way. So again, really interesting article. I will link to it below. A couple of announcements from eBay. Uh, eBay is cutting listing time in half 
for trading card sellers with a new feature that's coming in April of this year. Using computer vision technology, this new tool will streamline listing creation for the marketplace's massive trading card community. Uh, The new selling tool will support Magic the Gathering cards at launch and expand to Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards in May, followed later by sports trading cards and other collectible card games later this year. In essence, it's an add-on to the current Android and iOS app where you will um, tap search with your camera, point the camera at the card, and hold to scan the card's image. A list of possible matches will pop up showing details that include game name, card title, card set, card number, rarity, card type, power, and more. Tap the correct or closest match to pre-populate your listing with all of those card details. Add your photos, the card condition, price, and shipping to complete your listing. Uh, Additional enhancements to support the trading card community. They're going to improve returns. Trading card sellers are no longer required to offer returns in order to qualify for top-rated plus. So getting the badge and the 10% discount. Uh, They talk about their standard envelope, which we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago that this particular (laughs) podcaster is not uh, that impressed with, but it's something. Um, And also coming soon, they say eBay is reviewing its buyer protection policy for trading cards to ensure it protects both buyers and sellers in a category with high market volatility. We haven't really talked about that too much. I mentioned in a podcast a couple of weeks ago that there was one seller that expected the bottom to fall out of the trading card market within the next couple of years. There's already been some instances where people have paid up for cards whose values over the last six months have dropped significantly and the cards are not worth what they've got in them. So there's a lot of volatility in the trading card market if you're in that market. Let us know if you've seen any of that. Is the market still trending upward for you or has that begun to come back to earth? Uh, They share a few numbers with trading cards, an average of 119 trading cards listed per minute on eBay. 41 million new trading card listings were created last year, an average of 90 cards per minute sold and nearly 45 million cards sold last year on eBay. So it's big, big business. They cite some individual sales numbers from this year, a couple of cards that have gone for a half a million dollars plus. Man, wouldn't you like to find that? (laughs) You're out at a garage sale and you find uh, one of the cards is a 1996 Topps Chrome Refractor Kobe Bryant rookie card in uh, PSA 10 gem mint condition that went for $500,000. Man, would that that be a score? I, again, I don't really do trading cards. I don't, it's one of those things I just don't have the patience for, which sounds crazy considering I have 8,000 CDs and almost 5,000 books here that I wouldn't mess with trading cards, but it's, it's just not something that I'm that interested in, I guess. So, um, if you're doing cards, let, let us know how the card business is treating you. Last thing of all the things that eBay could be working on, the big announcement that they had this week was they're increasing the character limit for feedback. Ah, <laughs> uh, Man, you know, it's... God love them. <laughs> uh, of all the problems on eBay, 
And with managed payments, and again, I, I, I say this every week, I don't want to throw eBay under the bus. I, I love you, eBay. If you're listening, I, I do. I love selling on the platform. Like anything else, it's got its hiccups. But of all the things that they could be doing, they've chosen this week to announce that they're increasing the character limit for feedback. Feedback between sellers and buyers is a crucial part of keeping eBay a trusted marketplace starting next week as part of our continuing journey to improve the eBay experience we're increasing the character limit for feedback. Previously, sellers and buyers could only leave feedback of up to 80 characters. We realize that's often not enough space to include important details, so we're increasing the feedback field to allow a maximum of 500 characters. This will apply when you leave feedback for buyers, receive feedback from buyers, and reply to buyer feedback. You'll see this increased limit whether you leave the feedback on the desktop the mobile web, or the eBay app. Please make sure you have the most recent version of the app to see these increased character limits. Other feedback policies will not change. You can still send revision requests or ask to remove any feedback that violates eBay's policies. You don't need to take any action. This will happen next week automatically. So there you go. That's the big news from eBay. (laughs) Uh, Let me know if you find that useful. I have not personally really run into a situation where I couldn't get said what I wanted to say in 80 characters. Maybe 100 would be nice, but 500, I mean, that's a short story. (laughs) Uh, That's a big number for feedback. So anyway, there you go. That's the big news this week from eBay. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, Let us know in the comments what you think of this episode. As always, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate you spending a little bit of your time each week here with me in the Batcave listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, I appreciate the comments. I read every single one of them. Keep them coming. I love the activity. If you're watching on YouTube and you have other reselling friends that you know are not watching this channel, do me a favor and share it with them. I'm really close to 500 subscribers and I'd like to hit that number. What is it? It's it's essentially the end of March, right? So I'd like to get there by the end of April. I need, I think, 27 subscribers by the end of April to get to 500. So if you're watching and you've got reselling friends that you know aren't watching this, please share it with them. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, and with that, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.